Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zukanayan. Now church, today I want to build on what we have been focusing the past few months. You know, Pastor Kong, the past few months has been driving home this point on what it means for us to be Christ-like. So that Christ-likeness is about us having kingdom righteousness. You know, it is about having Jesus ruling inside our heart. And with Jesus ruling inside our heart, you and I are able to do kingdom righteousness as per mentioned in the Bible by His grace. Also, Christ-likeness is about having the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character profile of Jesus. And lastly, Christ-likeness is ultimately expressed by loving God wholeheartedly and loving your neighbour as yourself. So this is what we have been learning the past few months. And more than just that, through silence and solitude in God. And recently, we have been talking about this. Through serving the poor and the disadvantaged, you and I can know God more intimately and radically. You see, by you and I becoming more Christ-like, you and I can know God more intimately and radically. And why is it so important for us to know God and to be Christ-like? Because, like what Pastor Kong has said, God is a Christ-like God. So for you to know God more, you need to become more Christ-like. Now, so today, for this service, I want to talk to you and I want to go a little bit deeper. You see, church, how many of you agree it is important for us to know God more intimately and radically? But how many of you also agree that at the same time, it is also equally important for God to know us? You see, church, it's good that we know God more. But it is also equally important for God to know us deeper. You know what? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, I want to begin by reading to you this verse. It says, For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You know what, church? This is the verse that we have been discussing in our cell group meetings. And over here, Paul says that as much as you and I will gradually know more about God, at the same time, God also wants to know us deeper. You see the word, as I am fully known in that verse. Do you notice? The word, as I am fully known, is the Greek word, epigenosko. Epigenosko means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know a person thoroughly and accurately well. Did you see that, church? As much as we want to know God more, God, at the same time, also wants to be more thoroughly acquainted with us. He wants to know us thoroughly. He wants to become acquainted with us even more. And He wants to know us more Accurately. Wow, hallelujah. You see, church, this is important. And I'll give you an example. You see, at the last Rio Olympic Games, not this recent one in Tokyo, but the last one in Rio, 
Remember, Joseph Schooling did Singapore proud by winning Singapore's very first gold medal ever in our history of the game. And you know what, church? Usually, when a person suddenly shot up to fame and popularity, you and I know immediately there will be lots of people who would want to associate themselves with that name. So therefore, they like to use this thing called name dropping. So they like to name drop to imply that they know Joseph Schooling in person. So therefore, whenever you hear people name dropping, right, you will hear things like this when you talk to them. Oh, you know what, Pastor? I know Joseph since primary school, you know. In fact, Pastor, do you know that we are in the same CCA? Or you can hear people, right, using these words like, wow, Pastor, do you know every week, right, at the club, do you know that I'll be swimming together with Joseph Schooling in the same pool? But usually, you will always leave out the details because you will be swimming at lane one and he will be swimming at lane 54. Hallelujah. Or this one, right? The most irritating one of all, name dropping. I tell you, uh, Pastor, actually, huh, there was a time Joseph Schooling almost wanted to give up swimming one. Guess what? I was the one who encouraged him and prayed for him. And do you know, because of that, uh, he continued swimming and that's why he went on to Rio and won the Olympic medal. You know what, church? The name dropping will continue. And the list of claims of people who know Joseph Schooling are many. But church, how many of you agree with me? You and I can claim to know Joseph Schooling. But the most important question we have to ask Joseph Schooling is this. Does he know you? You know what, church? You may know Joseph Schooling, but does he know you? In fact, you may know a Joseph in school, but definitely not the Joseph Schooling, the Olympic champion. Hallelujah. You know what, church? Similarly, we all say that we know God. We all say that we know God a lot more. But the real question that we also need to ask ourselves occasionally is, does God know me? Does God know you? You know what, church? Does God know the real you? The accurate you? The you on the inside? The person inside? Not just the image that have been portrayed on the outside. You know what, church? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? The Bible says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. You know what, church? From this verse alone means there is a possibility that in our pursuit, to want to do great things for God, in our pursuit to want to become great for God, that we can miss out on the equally important thing 
Now church, I want to stress this statement over here. The equally important thing. That means it is important that you and I want to pursue great things for God. Want to do great things for God. It is important for you to want to become great for God. Nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, we also must be aware that there is an equally important thing that you and I need to pursue. What is that? You and I need to be known by God. You know God, but does God know you? And that's why today I want to share with you what does it mean to be known by God? Well, today I want to share with you simply three points. Number one, a person known by God is, point number one, someone who has his identity in Christ. Amen. Point number one, someone who is known by God is someone who has his identity in Christ. Okay? You see, church, in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, and I want to read to you, Luke 16, verse 19 to 26, is uh, quite a long verse that we want to read, so bear with me for a while. Amen? Anyway, you can sip your coffee while listening to the sermon at the same time. Last time you can do it. Hallelujah. Well, it says here, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, and even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side and the rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now, he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. Now, church, it's a very interesting parable. Point number one, a person who is known by God is known or someone who has his identity in Christ. From this parable, I want to ask you this question. What do you think is the difference between Lazarus, the beggar, and the rich man mentioned here in this parable? What do you think is the difference? What is the main difference that resulted in one going to paradise and the other going to Hades? You know what, church? I was listening to this sermon by Timothy Keller. And Timothy Keller said this, that is so eye-opening that I want to share with you. Do you notice that the difference in this parable is this? One has a name and the other does not. Do you notice that Lazarus was given a name, whereas the rich man has no name? the identity is being known as a rich man. Now, church, you also must take note that in almost every parable in the Gospels, the character that Jesus spoke is always or most likely not given a name. 
Jesus hardly gave the character in the parables he spoke a name. You notice, right? He will often use things like there was a father who had two sons. There was a widow who went to the judge to seek justice. There was a farmer and there was this servant who owed money to his master. Hardly given a name. But for this one, do you notice? Jesus gave a name to the beggar. And the beggar was given the name Lazarus. While the rich man was not given any name at all. And church, this difference sets them apart in paradise and Hades. You know what, church? The rich man does not end up in Hades because he is rich. How many of you can say amen? Nor does Lazarus end up in paradise because he is poor. You must know this. Economic status does not determine where you will end up in eternity. How many of you can say amen? But take note, the difference is in the name. Why? Because the name Lazarus means God is my help. And this is the differentiating factor. Why is it such a differentiating factor? Because Lazarus lived his life begging, but depending on God for his entire life was his identity. That's why his name is called God is my help. And therefore, to the world, he is known as a beggar. But to God, because he depended on him for his life, he depended on God to live his life. God is his help. Friends, when he went to paradise, he is known by name. He lived in this life, begging on the street, unknown. But when he goes up to heaven, because his life, it is always depending on God, up there, he is known by his name. The rich man, on the other hand, Take note, that's all what it says about his identity. His identity is only known as the rich man. <laughs> you know what, church? He is probably very well known on this earth. But guess what? Completely nameless in the Bible. Well known on earth, but completely nameless in the Bible. You know what, church? This gives us a very important lesson. This rich man lived in luxury and abundance, but he counted on luxury and abundance, counting only on himself and his riches away from God, and therefore his accomplishments and his success and his wealth became his identity, not God. You know what, church? By all means, like I said, economic status do not determine where you will end up in eternity. But in this lifetime, while you are living in this earth, while you are living your faith in God in this earth, by all means, pursue success, pursue accomplishment, by all means, become a very successful person. But you have to make sure that those things do not eventually replace your identity in God. You must make sure that 
success and accomplishment do not replace who you are, your self-worth and your self-esteem in God. God must always be your source of your security and joy. Not things, not success, and not accomplishment. Come on, if you believe that, I want you to give a loud amen to yourself. Hallelujah. You know what, church? This is exactly what Jesus meant in Luke chapter 18. Remember? When Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell everything he had to follow him. Because again, I want to stress this point. Jesus was not against his wealth. But rather, when this young man came to Jesus and asked Jesus, good teacher, tell me, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life? Immediately, Jesus saw right through his heart. Because Jesus was trying to tell him to put his identity and security in God and not on his religion, morality, or accomplishment. This young man was thinking to himself that inheriting eternal life is about good works. It is about achieving it by your own strength. So he was a good and he was a religious and moral person. And take note, he was also very rich and successful. And so he wanted to know from Jesus what else that he can do, what else that he must be in order to become better, in order to inherit eternal life. He wanted to hear what Jesus had to say about what is considered as good so that he can do it, so that he can attain it to justify himself. But instead, Jesus saw right through his heart and Jesus told him what he needed to hear. And unfortunately, this young man lacks the freedom to enjoy who he is and what he has because Jesus saw right through him. Religion and money have both enslaved him. And because the two of them have enslaved him, he was not able to enjoy the freedom that God has given to him for being his child and what he has or what he has been given by God. Hallelujah. Because in this world, in his world, in this rich young man's world, he was getting his self-worth by works. He was getting his self-worth by success and accomplishment or by what he does or being good at, by his religion, by his morality. And he gets his self-esteem by being better than others. You know what, church? Young men, young, young people today, how many of you agree with me? Today, in this world that we are living in, we get our self-esteem by feeling better than others, by making sure that you are better than other people. So you live your life, right? Getting your self-esteem by looking down at other people. And the more people are in a worse state than you, you feel better about yourself. You gain your self-esteem by being better than other people. I tell you, young people, how many of you agree with me? This is not sustainable. And this is exactly what Jesus was trying to tell this young man. If you live your life obtaining self-worth and identity from success and accomplishment, if money, success and accomplishments become your identity, if self-esteem is derived 
from you becoming better than other people. Cannot lose from other people. Always richer than other people. Having more things than other people. Let me tell you this. Jesus knows it is not sustainable. Young people, hear this carefully. It is not sustainable. And the danger is you will fall into the same trap of always having to succeed, always wanting to feel accomplished. Otherwise, you will feel like a failure for not doing anything more in life. And church, it is not only dangerous, it is a vicious cycle that will ultimately destroy you. And once again, neither wealth and success nor even morality or religion are being dismissed over here by Jesus. But rather, in telling him to follow him, in asking this young man to make Jesus the identity of his life, making God the ultimate identity for his life, for his self-worth and for his self-esteem. What Jesus was trying to do is this. He is trying to tell him both riches and morality or religion can be made useful for you so that you can express your life in God in complete freedom. And that's all that Jesus wanted him to experience because true identity in God will give us freedom in Christ to enjoy what He has and who He is, who we are, what we have from God without being enslaved by accomplishment and religion. How many of you can say amen to that? Come on, give God a big round of applause. Hallelujah. Who is a person known by God? Someone who has his identity in Christ intact, even when they are pursuing success and accomplishment and doing well in life. How many of you can say amen? Don't be like the rich man who is well known on this earth, but when he ends up in heaven, he is nameless. He is only known as a rich man on earth. Friends, make sure that as you pursue success, your identity in Christ remains intact. God is the source of your security and your joy. How many of you can say amen? Well, that's point number one, okay? Point number two. Who is a person known by God? Point number two. A person known by God is someone who chooses to submit and obey God's will. Now, let's go back to that verse. Did you notice in verse 24, it says, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now, church, you must understand, at this point, the rich man has not even been told by Abraham that there was a chasm in between them that prevented him from going to Abraham's side because that was only told by, to him in verse 26. And yet, take note, despite being in agony and torment, he didn't even ask Abraham to get him out of Hades. He only wanted to be comforted, but chose to remain in Hades despite being in agony and torment. And guys, this is even worse. Even in Hades, do you notice, 
he still wants to live life on his own terms instead of acknowledging God and submitting himself to him. He even thought that his status is still the same like on earth in Hades. And that's why he thought that he could still order Lazarus around like a servant by asking him to be the one who would dip his finger in water to cool his tongue. Wow! How many of you agree with me? This is completely wow and insane. This is crazy, isn't it? But here's the deal. I want you to see, Abraham told him, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now, he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Did you see the word? You receive your good things while Lazarus received bad things? Ah, there is a clue here. Because the word received means to receive of what is due. To receive of what is due. Now that means, it implies that probably this rich man in his lifetime, probably because of his hard work, probably because of his network, probably because of his social status, and probably because of his cleverness. Maybe he graduated from Harvard MBA, and probably because of his smart business acumen. He was able to build his wealth and to attain success because of all this. Therefore, in all fairness, these are the rewards that are due to him. These are the result of his hard work that is due to him. So granted. And Lazarus, probably on the other hand, because of an unfortunate incident, because he was born poor, because maybe he was uneducated, because maybe sickness came upon him, or even maybe a mistake he made in his life, and as a result of that, this resulted in his predicament. But in any way, the word receive implies that both of them receive what is due to them. Receive what is due to them, okay? But here's the lesson that I want to share with you today, City Harvest. What is the lesson? No matter what happens to you, it is how you choose to respond to God that matters. No matter what happens to you, it is how you choose to respond to God that matters. You know what, church? Do you still submit to God and obey Him in your situation when you are going through tough times or when bad things happen to you? Or do you choose to blame God and make yourself the Lord over your situation? Now, church, in the case of the rich man, you can be successful. And because you are successful, you are smart, and because you have a lot of good things happening in your life, you receive what is due to you. But church, if that makes you proud, and that makes you self-centered, that makes you arrogant, you know what? It will not please God. And conversely, if you are successful, but choose to remain humble, and choose to not forget God, and make Him first 
the priority of your life, the number one priority over your life. Identity still intact in Christ. Friends, you will be blessed. How many of you can say amen? But I want to share with you for this second point in the perspective of Lazarus. But what if you experience like Lazarus, mishap, tragedy, or even pain, sicknesses? You know what, church? When you experience mishap, tragedy, pain, or sicknesses, how would you respond? If you choose to remain steadfast and continue to have faith in God, instead of blaming Him, turning against God, or even become bitter, friends, if you choose to remain steadfast and have faith in God, you will be safe. And church, there is a lesson here. Because despite his predicament, Lazarus, even while on this earth, did not get to see his breakthrough, did not get to see God take him, him out of poverty and eventually live a good life, but ended up a tragic death of dying probably on the street. And that's why the angel just carried him up while the rich man was properly buried. Even when Lazarus in his lifetime received what is due to him and didn't get to see his salvation and his deliverance in his lifetime to get out of poverty, to get out of his sickness, to get out of his predicament. Yet, despite his predicament, Lazarus, on the account of his name, God is still my help. Even when he died, he still hold on to his identity. God is still my help. Even though God did not help him in his lifetime, he chose to be steadfast. He chose to hold on to God and to his faith. God is still his help. Oh, friends, you know what happened to him? He chose to submit his life and his predicament unto the Lord and he fully entrusts his life to the Lord and say that even if God doesn't save him in this lifetime, God will eventually save me after life. Wow. Friends, that's exactly the reward that he finally received that was due to him. That his faith in God ultimately saves him. And what was the reward given to him? Comfort in paradise for eternity, for choosing to believe in God despite of his pain on earth. You know what, church? Like what Pastor Kong said, God's will for us is to bless us, is to save us, is to heal us. And he will save us. And he will save us and heal us. But the question is timing. The question is, what is His sovereign will over us? Sometimes, He may not heal us in this lifetime, but at the afterlife, you and I will be safe. You and I will be healed. Who can say amen? But the thing is, many of us cannot accept that. Many of us think that if God does not answer my prayer in this lifetime, my faith in God is in vain. Not Lazarus. Lazarus loved God to the very end. And even in his lifetime, he received what is due to him. And he didn't 
get to see his breakthrough and his deliverance, he chose to remain steadfast in God and he chose to continue to believe in God and he chose to acknowledge God is still my help. Because if God doesn't help me in this lifetime, God will help me in my afterlife. And all the pain that I suffered in this earth will be rewarded with comfort, pleasure forevermore at the bosom of Him. Hallelujah. You see, church, who is a person known by God? A person known by God is someone who loves God and submit to God and obey His will even when bad things happen to Him and His prayers have not yet been answered. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3, whoever loves God is known by God. Wow! You know what, church? This really reminds me of Jesus. Because in His, post, in his most painful moment, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, look at this verse. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Do you see? Jesus remained obedient to God even to the point of death. That means even when he died, he didn't get to see his deliverance happening on the cross. And therefore, he chose to surrender his life completely to God. He chose to completely obey God's will. Now, the thing is this, Jesus could have chosen to avoid death and pain on the cross. And particularly at this opportunity in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the Roman soldiers came to arrest him, do you remember? Peter took out the sword and cut off the soldiers' ears and created a commotion. Now, at that time, in the midst of confusion and commotion, Jesus could have taken the chance to run. But instead, look at what the Bible says in Matthew 26. He says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Wow. Did you see that, church? Jesus chose maturity over miracles. Instead of depending on miracles, he chose to submit himself under God's will. He chose to surrender his life to God instead of taking matters into his own hand. He chose to stay instead of running away. He chose process instead of instant gratification. He chose submission over self-interest. And because he chose to submit and obey God's will, despite of the pain Despite God did not deliver him at the cross, instead of succumbing to his own will, to self-interest, he submitted fully to God and obeyed God's will to the point of death. And do you know, because of that, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Just now we read Philippians 2, verse 8. And the result of it is Philippians 2, verse 9. The Bible says, therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Wow. Friends, his name is not just known by God. His name became well known by God. He is not just known by God. He became very well known by God. The Bible says, 
that at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. That at the name of Jesus, in heaven and on earth and in hell, everyone must bow down to that name. Friends, even in Hades, the demons even know His name. Wow! That's how much you and I will be known by God when you choose to obey Him and submit to Him to the point of death, to the point when you don't see any deliverance and you continue to trust in God. Why? Your name will not just be known by God. Everyone will get to know your name. And do you see, church, His name is so powerful that even the demons know Him, know His name. You know what? Remember in Acts chapter 19, verse 15, somebody tried to use Jesus' name in vain to cast out demons. And as a result of that, what happened? The demon, right, replied back to that person and said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? <laughs> wow. Not only God recognizes names, demons also recognize whose name carry the authority of Jesus in his life. Someone who is known by God, a person who is known by God, is someone in this lifetime chose to submit to God's will and chose to obey His will no matter what, even when tough times comes in His life. Even when He's going through pain, even when He's going through tough times and have yet to see the deliverance and salvation, this person continued to put his trust in God to continue to say, God is still my help. Hallelujah. Wow. Come on, let's give Jesus a big round of applause. Amen. That's point number two. Point number three, last one. Who is a person known by God? Number three. A person who is known by God is someone who cares for the poor and the marginalized. You know what, church? A person who is known by God is someone who cares for the poor and the marginalized. Go back again to this parable. Despite Lazarus begging daily at the rich man's gate, he was not noticed. And the verse says, covered with sorrows and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. You know what, church? I'm not even sure if Lazarus ever received help or food from the rich man. But why is it so important for us to take note of this? Because Matthew 25 verse 40, 45 says this, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Now church, you must take note, right? The person who showed compassion to his neighbours, the person who showed compassion to his neighbours, to strangers, and remember what Pastor Kong said, strangers means 
people who are refugees in the land or immigrants in the land. The person who showed compassion to his neighbors, to strangers, to the poor, and to the marginalized is regarded by God as doing it for him. That means you are doing it on his behalf. And you know what, church? Like what we said, Christ-likeness is about loving God wholeheartedly and loving people fervently. And Jesus himself said, the greatest commandment is loving God wholeheartedly, but the second is like it. That means what? The second is as equally important, loving your neighbor as yourself. That means being compassionate towards the poor, being compassionate towards the needy, is evidence that God is truly ruling inside our hearts. Loving your neighbor is a pure reflection and demonstration that God is living inside you. So take note. Did you notice that God is saying to us, when you do to those people who are hungry, when you feed the poor, when you feed the hungry, when you give to the poor, He says, you are doing it on my behalf. You are doing it for me. But do you notice, at the same time, He also said this, God is identifying Himself with the poor. God is identifying Himself with the plight of strangers and the marginalized. That's why He said, for I was hungry, you did not give me to eat. For I was thirsty, you did not give anything for me to drink. Do you notice, at the same time, He is also identifying with the poor and the needy, needing to receive compassion from you. So therefore, it's not just doing it for Him, where it means you are representing God to give to the poor. And as a result of that, the poor sees Jesus in you. At the same time, when the Lord identifies Himself with them, this means that when you give to the poor, when you give to the marginalized, the person who is receiving your compassion is actually a person in God's image in their stricken condition. You are actually giving to God Himself. You are actually giving to God Himself. You are giving to God. It's not just us representing Jesus, but you are giving to God. That person who, are down and, who is down and out is actually God's image in His stricken condition. And when you show compassion to Him, it is almost you showing compassion to God and He is receiving that compassion from you. And friends, why is it so important? Because when I give to someone, right, I represent someone. But when I receive from you, I know you. When I receive something from you, I became acquainted with you. When I receive something from you, I became acquainted to your heart. I became acquainted to what lives inside you. And friends, that's why serving the poor, giving to the poor, to the marginalized, the person who do that is known by God. Because why? You are reflecting God's heart. And when you give to Him, the Bible says, God will repay you. 
because when you give to the poor, you're giving to God and God himself will repay you. You will receive what is due to you. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Wow. You know what, church? There is a lesson over here. How you treat the poor and the marginalized reflects how much of God is in you. How you treat the poor and the marginalized reflects how much of God is in you. And in Proverbs over here, it didn't even say, whoever gives money to the poor. It simply says, whoever is kind to the poor. Wow. That means showing kindness, being kind to the people, being kind to people around you, being kind to your neighbours, being kind to the people who are poor and the, margin, and, the, and the marginalized, being kind to people who are lesser off than you. The unfortunate is the least that you can do to show what it means to become a child of God. It's the least that you can do to show charity. And unfortunately, kindness is a rare and a lost virtue nowadays in this world that sees hate ever increasing around us. Hallelujah. Friends, I want to end by saying this. What is the context to this parable? What is the reason why Jesus told this parable to us? You know what, church? If you look at Luke chapter 16, verse 15, the context or the reason why Jesus suddenly gave us this parable was because, look at Luke 16, the Pharisees who loved money heard all these and were sneering at Jesus. You know what sneering, right? Huh. You know, just like maybe some of you today, maybe you hear me preaching and you say, huh, what kind of sermon he's preaching? I preach better than him. I look better than him. His accent, ayo. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. That's what the verse says. You know what, church? Why is it that Jesus suddenly said this parable to them? Because the Pharisees were sneering, not just at Jesus, but the Pharisees have a tendency to look down on others or to sneer at others based on their standing in society, based on their standing, their high moral grounds and their feeling of superiority and use that as a justification of their treatment to others. They were unable to be kind towards the lowly, to the sinners, to the poor and to the needy. Why? Because they always felt that this group of people were not able to do or live up to their standard of morality or religiosity and therefore, they deserve to be in their predicaments. That's why they are always justifying themselves to look down on other people. I give you an example. When you first came to church, you were a poor student. You failed your subjects all the time. But when you came to church, God touched you. God renewed your mind. You became hardworking. You begin to see the value of life. And you start to work yourself up to the top. You started passing your exams. You started scoring A's. You graduated with flying colors. You graduated in a university. 
get a good job, you became successful, you became rich, and you became a cell group leader, you became very anointed, you got yourself a beautiful anointed wife, and now you are living the high life, you are living the blessed life, you are living a highly favoured life. But what happens when you see someone going through the same pain as you? You, saw, you see someone struggling financially. You see someone not able to get a good job, struggling, jumping from job to job, trying to do well in their studies, trying to go from tuition to tuition and have no money for tuition. And then you look at them. You felt pity for them. But inside your heart, the problem is when you start feeling, you know what? The reason why these people are at where they are, the reason why these people are in their predicament is because they did not work as hard as me. They did not live their life as determined as me. They did not pay the price. They did not fast, fast enough. They did not pray enough. They do not subject themselves to God's will enough. Just like me. If they were to do those things that I did, they would not be where they are today. And guess what? Poor thing. I tell you what, I give you a couple of thousands of dollars nah, for you so that you can live your life, so that you can have a good life. But when you give, at the back of your mind, you think, but they will never get out of poverty because they are in this cycle of laziness. They are in this cycle of predicament. And unless they have a revelation like me, they have the touch of God like me, unless they renewed their mind like me, like I did, they will never get out of this cycle. You know what, friends? <laughs> That's when, if you are not careful, you will start to justify yourself in the eyes of others. And at the result of all this, you will lose feeling compassionate to people who genuinely need help and kindness. Friends, that's why no wonder Proverbs says, he who shows kindness to the poor lends to the Lord. He didn't say he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Because there are people who give not out of kindness. They give out of pity. And they give out of feeling more superior than themselves. Not out of genuine compassion not out of genuine kindness. And that's what Jesus was against the Pharisees because they used their superiority to sneer at others, to justify themselves and always look down on other people. City Harvest Church, I'm not talking to non-believers here. I'm talking to us Christians. And it's very important for us today to reflect the question that I have asked you at the beginning of this service. We all say that we know God. We all say that we want to know God more. But occasionally, like today, we need to ask ourselves, does God know me? Does God know the real me? Does God know the accurate me? Does God know the real person inside? Not the ones that I have been portraying on the outside. Friends, Three areas that we need to check. Number one, who is a person known by God? Someone whose identity is in Christ, even when they are successful, 
even when they are going through good times, their identity in Christ still intact. God is still my help, no matter what. How many of you can say amen? Who is a person known by God? Someone who chooses to submit and obey His will despite the difficulty to do so and even to the point of death. Even when you don't see breakthrough happening in this lifetime, you still die believing. Instead, die in unbelief. Wow, not easy. That one, who is a person known by God? Someone who shows kindness to the poor and the marginalized. Remember, not just giving money, not just giving sympathy, shows kindness, genuine kindness, genuine care and concern to the marginalized. Friends, these are the three areas that I want you to reflect upon yourself today. And you know what? Right now, I'm going to ask Regina and the worship team to lead us in a song. And as you sing this song, whatever you are, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to search inside your heart and to show you which areas of your life that you need to repent before the Lord. That you need to come before the Lord and say, Jesus, today, I want to be more known by you. I want to make you my identity all over again. Father, forgive me if I've been judgmental and if I'm always sneering at others, if I'm always looking good at myself and always looking down on other people. Father, please forgive me if I've always insisted on my own way. And even when I don't get my way, I get angry with you. I get bitter with you. Today, you say, God, I want to submit and I want to obey to your will, no matter what. And even if you don't reply my prayer, answer my prayer in this lifetime, I know all my prayers will be answered in the afterlife because you love me. How many of you can say amen? Friends, if that is you, let's sing this song together, whatever you are, from your heart. And I'm going to ask Regina to lead us in this song together.
Holy Harvest Church, today before we end, I want you to really search deep inside your heart. You know, like what this song says, I've tried so hard to see it. It takes me so long to believe it. That you will choose someone like me to carry your victory. The way God gives us victory is different from the way the world sees as victory. And that's why you need to change your perspective in God. You need to change your heart so that you and I can have the same heartbeat as Jesus. But it requires us to let go of ourself, to let go of my will, to let go of my pleasure and say, Jesus, you are my champion. You know what, friends? Today we can be saying, you are my champion. But do you know, Jesus doesn't need us to tell him that he is the champion. On the contrary, every day when you wake up, he will always tell the entire angels, that's my champion. That's my champion. Waking up every day, facing trials every day, and not giving up on me every single day, putting your trust and faith in me, even though sometimes things don't go according to your way, even though sometimes your prayer have yet to be answered, but that's my champion because they continue to put their trust in me. They continue to come to service. They continue to watch online. They continue to pray. They continue to believe even though they have yet to receive their breakthrough. You know what, friends? That is how you and I receive your victory. Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our victory. Friends, if that is you, you say, Pastor, I want to become more known by God. I want to be known by God more. What is the area that you need to repent before the Lord? Have you replaced things? Have you replaced God with things in your heart? Have you become bitter? Have you become bitter with God? Disappointed with God? Because until today, your prayer have yet to be answered. Friends, today it's time for you to submit to God's will and obey His will because you can trust Him that He will give someone better than you something better for you who can say Amen. Last but not least, if you have been arrogant, if you have been judgmental, if you have been sneering at people, looking down at people because God has blessed you. Friends, we have to be careful that we don't justify ourselves to look down on other people. Today, let us love God and love people with genuine care and kindness. If that is you, I want you to take some time to reflect. And as Regina sings this song, the chorus one more time, I want you to repent before the Lord and then we'll pray. Amen. All together now. And if you have made that decision with God, I want you to put your hands on your heart and I want you to just listen to this prayer and I want you to pray and receive it in Jesus' name. Father, today we come before you humble as we are. We ask God that you show us areas in our life that we need to repent. Lord, 
Maybe we have put things to replace you. Maybe we have put success and accomplishment as our identity. Today, Lord, we want to put them all at the altar. And Lord, we want to receive my true identity. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of Jesus Christ. You love me no matter what. No matter what I've done, no matter the accomplishments that I've that I have attained, it means nothing to you because ultimately I am your child. That is the most important thing. Father, today we also want to pray. God, we repent of our judgmental spirit. Thank you, God, that you have blessed us. Thank you, God, that you have given us blessing, favor, and honor. But Lord, despite all this, cause us to remember today that all this comes from you. And Lord, it is only right for us to be kind and to show kindness to people around us who are lesser off than us. Last but not least, Lord, today we want to come before you. And Lord, we want to submit and obey your will, no matter what. No matter what circumstances I am in, no matter how unpleasant I am feeling right now regarding the circumstances, today, Jesus, I submit to you and I choose maturity over miracles. I choose process rather instant gratification. And I choose to stay instead of running away. And I choose Jesus instead of me or self or pleasure. So Father, today, as we submit, give us the grace to overcome all hardship. And so Father, we thank you in advance for the victory that you have bestowed upon us, reserved for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Let's give Jesus a big round of applause. Hallelujah. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 